invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Chronicles. We've been in 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. Today we're going to 1 Chronicles to prepare ourselves for our Journey Celebration Sunday next Sunday morning. We will gather here next Sunday morning. The choir is going to sing. We'll be doing some worship and testimonies. And then we'll have a special time when you have the privilege of bringing a love offering to the Lord to be used for our journey. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It was back in 1994 when I came to this church. This church was just a handful of folks. And we felt as a church a calling to be involved in sponsoring a new mission in town. And we met at that Wednesday night business meeting. There may have been 40 people at that meeting. And here was the challenge. We needed someone, we needed a church, our church to commit to $100 a month to support this new work. And, and at that time, that was a goal, of, a financial goal. We just didn't know how we could do it. But without, without any question, without any reservation, this church, a small handful of folks said, we're going to be committed. Even though we may not be meeting the needs here, we're going to be committed to missions. And we gave, made a commitment to give $100 a month to that mission. And from that moment, it seems like God has blessed this church in the area of faith. We're going to step forward again next Sunday morning, and we're going to be taking another step in the journey by faith as we seek God to be our provider through the journey. So let's look at this passage of Scripture. Background here, David has reigned. His son Solomon is now coming to, in essence, receive the the baton as, as David passes the baton to Solomon to build the temple of God, that place in Jerusalem where the people would worship him. Chapter 29, verse 1. Then King David said to the entire assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great. For the temple is not for man, but for the Lord. Now with all my ability, I have provided for the house of my God the gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and inlaid stones, stones of antimony and stones of various colors, and all kinds of precious stones and alabaster in abundance. David gives his catalog of all the treasury that he's given. Verse 3, Moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple. And he names them in verse 4 and verse 5. Look at the last part of verse 5. Then he says, Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? There's an appeal to the people. Here's what I've given, David says. Now who's going to step up to the plate and follow that leadership? Look at verse 6. Then the rulers of the households and the princes and tribes of Israel and commanders of thousands and of hundreds with overseers of the king's work offered willingly. Skip down to verse 9. As those leaders and princes and and people in authority gave. Verse 9 says, Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also greatly rejoiced. Skip to verse 14 with me. But who am I, David's writing, and who are my people, that that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hand. I love that. We have given you. Look at verse 20. Then David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers. And they bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. And on the next day they made sacrifices to the Lord. We're just going to stop right there and make some points of application. Six truths this morning 
that we need to be applying in our life on a regular basis if we're to continue by faith in the journey. First truth, we've got to remember this. We build for the glory of God. This building that we sit in was provided by God. It is debt-free. It was paid for before we built it. We have taken every step in the journey that way, and we've stressed over and over and over again. It is not about a building. It's about bringing God glory. We build for the glory of God. Look at that in verse 1. For the, the last part of verse 1, the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now, this physical building is not the temple. In the New Testament, we, the believers, are the temple. But when we come together corporately to worship in this room, it's the same as the Jews coming together to worship in the temple. This is our place where we gather to worship the Lord. And this building is for the glory of God. Every brick we set out there, every piece of sheetrock, every, every bit of carpet, everything that's done in this place is ultimately for the glory of God. That, that has to be preeminent in all that we do. When we poured the slab, the foundation for this building, we said this. I can remember saying it, and I meant it with all my heart. If that's all we do, God still gets the glory. If God doesn't provide another dime to put beams and, and sticks and lumber on this place, God's gotten the glory because His people have prayed, they've listened, and they've, they've obeyed. Everything we do is ultimately for the glory of God, and that's why we build. Number two, next truth to remember is giving is a matter of the heart. Giving is a matter of the heart. I cannot stress that enough. In verse 3, David says, Moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure of my gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above. David's saying, it's a heart issue. In verse 17, as the people responded, David said, I have seen your people who are present here. They make their offerings willingly. Giving is a heart matter. It's a heart issue. It's not a checkbook issue. It's not a financial matter. It's not a, a, a situation where you have to look at your bank balance to see if, if God's going to give you enough so you can give. It's a matter of the heart. See, it doesn't matter how much you have. If your heart's not right, you're not going to be willing to give. You say, well, if I could just get a raise, then I'll start tithing. If I could just get a raise, then I'll start giving through, to God through the journey. If I could just get make this in me, it's always going to be something. Have you not found that out? I have. It is always something. When it's a matter of the heart, the issue's settled. David said, willing. The people came and they gave willingly. I read some statistics this week that just underscored what I have, I have heard. I had some statistics that were about 10 years old. These statistics are just two years old. A book was written called Passing the Plate, Why American Christians Don't Give Any More Money. The author goes on to say that the charitable donations of the richest Christians in history are puny. Think about that. We are the wealthiest Christians in the history of the church. You may not think that, but we are. Our giving is lower than it has ever been. They suggest in this book that if committed Christians, that's people who say they're not just people who go to church, but people who are committed, faithful to church. If committed Christians were all to give a tithe, that's a 10% of their income, there would be an extra $46 billion a year in America for kingdom work. If every Christian, every committed Christian tithe an additional $46 billion a year, that means we could send 150,000 new missionaries a year. We could educate 50,000 theological students overseas in developing countries. We could food, clothe, and shelter 6,500,000 refugees who are in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East with that $46 billion a year. We could sponsor 20 million needy children worldwide every year with that money if every committed Christian tithe. 
The book goes on to say, reasonably generous financial giving of ordinary American Christians would generate staggering amounts of money that could literally change the world. But think about that with me. If every person who says they're committed to Christ would give 10% of their income, which, by the way, is the bare minimum to be obedient to the Scripture, if everyone did that, we could shake this world for Christ. Think about that. 20% of American Christians give nothing to the church. The average mean, the mean average of giving among American Christians is 2.9% of their income. But these are people who say, not only I believed in Jesus and I think I'm going to heaven. These are people who say, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to heaven, and I've committed my life to him to live every day in obedience to him and his commission. Who aren't giving. You know what's wrong? It's not because we need better sermons on tithing. It's not because we need better stewardship programs. It's a matter of the heart. I've heard over and over again, and it's been my own experience, that when God gets hold of the heart, He gets hold of your stewardship, your finances. Boy, that may be a, a, a gut check, a heart check for many of us. What would happen if every person in this church gave 10% of their income? We could shake Rockport. Literally shake this town because of the ministry we could, we could perform here. It's a heart matter. Number three, giving involves sacrifice. Giving involves sacrifice. In verse three, David says, Moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver I give to the house of my God. One translation says it this way. David said, I now give my personal treasure. See, it would be equivalent to somebody in our government, in Congress, voting to pass some kind of agenda and have Congress and taxpayers pay for something and then step up and say, well, not only did I vote for that bill, but here's my own personal finances to back it. That's what David said. That's what the princes, that's what the leaders, that's what the, the supervisors did. They said, not only are we going to give what's, what's already there because it's in the system, but we're going to get personally right out of our pocket. It's going to be a sacrifice. David had an experience back in the early days when God has, was just calling him and using him and, and there were lots of battles going on and David numbered the people. He took a census that for whatever reason we still don't understand why God didn't want him to do it that way. And God came and said to, the, to David, because you've sinned and taken this census, he sent a plague and 70,000 people died because of David's disobedience. And God sent the angel of the Lord on Arana's threshing floor and he stopped the plague and in 2 Samuel chapter 24 David goes to offer a sacrifice there to the Lord to thank God for stopping the plague and Arana says I'll give you the threshing floor so you can make an altar there and David says I will not offer the Lord that which cost me nothing and he bought the threshing floor to build an altar to the Lord you know what the principle is there giving takes sacrifice David could have easily just taken that guy's threshing floor, could have taken that place and built that altar because he offered it. But David said, no, I'm not going to offer something that doesn't cost me anything. Sacrifice. Say, well, I'd give to the journey. I'd give to the Lord through the journey. I'd tithe if, if what? Maybe it's going to come down to some of us just saying, Lord, no matter what, I'm going to be obedient in that area. Giving involves sacrifice. Number four. People will follow our example. 
people will follow our example. I tried to just highlight some of these verses in verse 6. First of all, David gave, right? Verse 4, 3, 4, and 5. David gave. Then verse 6, then the rulers of the households gave. The princes, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and overseers of the king offered willing. Do you see this kind of chain of command? David gave, so the people under him gave, and the people under them saw that, and then they gave, and the people under them saw that in obedience, and then they gave. God used the giving of the leadership to motivate and challenge the people that they would follow their example. You may not know this. We talked about this in our connection class this morning. We had 17 folks meeting off campus. Some young adults had a great time. Young adults and me. I used to say young adults, anybody my age and younger, but I can't say that anymore. We were there, and we were talking about this. Talking about this very thing of, of, I just got completely sidetracked. Following examples, that's right. (laughs) Thank you. Who was that? Was that you, hon? Thank you. You were paying attention today. You made up for that comment over there a few weeks ago, okay? <laughs> we were talking about this, this issue of example and, and how we shared how sometimes we're an example to people. We don't even, they don't even know it. We're following someone's example. They don't even know they're setting an example for us. Tell you what, in the area of finances and stewardship, we leaders set the example. Ministry leaders, we set the example. Connection class teachers, grace group leaders, people follow our example. One of my favorite movies when I was a kid was The Russians Are Coming. How many of y'all have seen that movie? Oh, man. Um, I rented it a while back. And it's just a great, it's a it's this neat movie. This Russian submarine back during the Cold War runs aground somewhere in New England. And this little bitty village thinks the Russians are invading. And it, it just goes on and it's a great story. And the, the, the movie ends with this this. The, the climax of the movie, the Russian submarine is in the harbor, and they've got this cannon pointed at the people, and the people are standing there with their shotguns and stuff to defend the Russians, and it's just about to come down to, you know, you got one more second, five, ten, nine, eight, seven, and we're going to fire this cannon, and there's a scream, and a little boy is up in the tower of a, of a church, I think, and he's fallen on the rail, through a rail, and he's hanging on the roof like six, eight stories up, and everything stops, and all the crowd rushes over there, And all the Russians get off the submarine and they form this human ladder of one person and a couple guys climb up, another, and they stand on each other's shoulders till they get up there to reach this kid. So I just ruined the movie for you. But anyway, that's how it ends, all right? But I had to to get the illustration in. The Russians and the Americans stood on each other's shoulders to get that kid and rescue him. And everybody cheered and they all lived happily ever after. There's There's a picture there for me, of how one generation stands on the shoulders of another generation. And those who've been faithful to give are standing there and they've given and then it's time for the next group to step up and climb up on their back and put their feet on their shoulders and stand up and they give. So people have given sacrificially that we could be in this building. That we could enjoy this place. It may be time for another generation to step up And say, we're going to stand on their shoulders so that the next generation can come and stand on our shoulders. People, follow our example. Number five, everything we give comes from God. Don't miss this. Everything we give comes from God. Look at verse 14. 
But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? David says, why are we so blessed to be able to give all this wealth to build this temple for God? Who are we that God should bless us? For all things come from you, God, and from your hand we have given you. Can I paraphrase it, Kevin's paraphrase? Every time I give... God is giving it to me to give back to Him. Do you see that? It's like when you give your kids money. Yeah, well. (laughs) When your intention is to teach your kids stewardship and giving and tithing so you give them a quarter when they come to church so they can put a quarter in the offering envelope? Now, did they earn that? No. They might have done chores or something, but really the money that they give is money you give them to give. And ultimately they learn and they they earn their own money and then they give it. But it's the same thing. God says, you want to give? Here. And he hands it to us and give. It comes from him. It goes back to him. It's the circle of life. However that song goes, I don't know what it is. From God to my hand and from my hand back to Him. If it doesn't get out of my hand back to Him, where does it end up? In my hand. Can't you see the Heavenly Father just like this? Like, man, I passed all this wealth on to you. You haven't passed any of it back. David says, everything we give comes from God. I was reading this week about George Mueller. If you haven't read his biography, I encourage you to do it. A German missionary to England, Bristol, England. In 1930, I'm sorry, in 1836, he and his wife started a small orphanage in their home and had 30 girls come in. And then that grew and he bought three more houses on Wilson Street, had 130 kids. In 1845, growth continued. He built enough for 300 kids. By 1870, more than 2,000 children were being cared for in five homes. Here's the key to George Mueller's ministry. He never asked anyone for a dime, ever. He went to God with every need. Money would come in right when there was a need. It's documented how he would get his thousands of orphans seated at the table with not a thing on the table to feed them. And they would pray and give God thanks for the food. And there would be a knock on the door. And somebody would be there with food. For whatever reason, God led them to bring food there. An overflow, an overage, whatever. Somebody just impressed God's heart. Story after story after story. Here's what Mueller found. That it all comes from God. He is the source. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And it is more than enough. Everything we give comes from Him. Number six, giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. In verse five, David calls them to consecrate themselves, to to worship the Lord, to set themselves apart to Him, to commit to Him. Throughout the rest of this passage, the people came and gave willingly their offerings. It was an act of worship. If you're struggling in stewardship with tithing or as we look at next Sunday morning with the Journey Sunday celebration coming up and you've been praying about what to give and you don't don't think you can give anything, 
Just look at it as worship. Look at it as God has blessed you. One of the things I've done for years now, we've been doing this journey. All these blocks represent a different emphasis. We've been doing this journey for over 10 years. And and after several of those, I just began praying, God, whatever you send my way that's unexpected, I will will gladly see that as a gift from you and go right back to you. And that's over and above the tithe that my wife and I give. Over and above that, I'd say, God, outside of what we normally seek, if you send something our way that's unexpected, I'll take it from you that that's for that journey offering. Now, folks, it doesn't take a genius or a spiritual giant to figure that one out. When something unexpected comes your way and you wonder, what's that all about? If you've already prayed, God, I'll give it back to you. You know what that's all about. I, I, I'm so looking forward to next Sunday morning. We're going to hear testimonies as we bring our offering. We're going to hear how God has been working in lives, speaking to us, and showing himself faithful. And all six of these points will be lived out next Sunday morning. We're going to give to the glory of God. We're going to build for his glory. It's a heart matter. Some of us are going to sacrifice. Some of us are going to follow the example of others who've gone before us. We will acknowledge that everything we give comes from him. And it will be an act of worship. Pastor Randy Alcorn has written several books that are bestsellers. But before his books were on the bestseller list, he was a pastor. And he felt led by God to participate in a nonviolent protest against an abortion clinic. He was arrested several times, as were people in his church. Finally, a court ruling came down that said, you're going to have to pay this abortion clinic this much money in fines. You have to pay them. And he said, by conviction, I can't do that. I can't give money, even though I've been ordered to, to that abortion clinic. So they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to garnish your wages. We're going to go to that church and we're going to take a percentage of your income and we're going to give it to the abortion clinic. You know what he did? He, re- he resigned. He said, I'll, I'll, I can fix that. He resigned his church. He got a minimum wage job. And because if he was making minimum wage, they couldn't take his wages from him. And he just began to work that minimum wage job. And he prayed. And he said from that moment, his book started to catch on. People started buying them. Royalty checks started rolling in. Now, he can't make more than minimum wage. So everything that he got in those royalties, he gave away. By the time I read the article, $500,000 had, had come in by royalties for his books. And he'd given them out to mission opportunities and different ministry outreaches. Well, that's the spirit. That's, that's the attitude. God, I'm just going to step back and I'm just going to let you show how you're Jehovah Jireh. How no matter what the world throws at me, no matter what my bank account looks like, no matter what the bottom line is, minimum wage, we're just going to watch you bring the money anyway and it's going to go right back out. What's God been doing in your life in the area of stewardship? Isn't it time that you said, God, here, all that I have comes from you. And I give it right back. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks that we have an opportunity again to be reminded from your word that giving is such a privilege, such a joy, so rewarding. God, I thank you that your word is clear that all that we have comes from you. And all that we give is because of you. My prayer is that as we go through the next seven days praying about our involvement in the journey offering, that you would move on some hearts, that we could see you move and people obey, that you would be given all the glory. 
Lord, it may be this morning that you've spoken to the heart of someone who needs to step up and begin that bare minimum of obedience, the tithe. Give 10% of their income to you because it's from you. Lord, maybe you've spoken to someone here. You've challenged them to move over and above what they've already given. To give even more for the cause of Christ. God, maybe someone today, they've just realized that their entire life belongs to you. It may be that some today need to come in a spirit of surrender. And say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. And I receive you by faith. Lord, whatever you want to do today, in this moment, we give it to you. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name.